Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Uh, yeah, hey, c'est moi. It is uh, September 13th, uh, and uh, here we are, yet again. <laughs> Another hour of uh, who knows what. God knows I don't, you know. It's not like I come in here aware of what I'm going to start with or what it'll end with or whether I'll be in a good mood or not. I have no idea. I definitely wasn't yesterday, I'll tell you. I got a text from a friend saying, Jeez, <laughs> man, were you misanthropic yesterday. It's hard not to be misanthropic, I think, sometimes. Anyway, I'll try to be a little more upbeat today, but in fact, everything I've sort of culled from the news uh, that I do have here to uh, potentially talk about um, is, you know, nothing's funny. Nothing's lighthearted. If anyone knows anything going on that is funny and lighthearted, and uh, I must admit, I don't find um, a lot of things funny that I might have uh, a few years ago <laughs> when they didn't seem so consequential at any rate. Uh, do you think the guys at like CNN and, uh, you know, are, are, are upset that Florence has uh, decided just to be a Category 2 and is slowing down and uh, is not this, she definitely has lost a lot of pizzazz, you know. And when news focuses on something that they figure is just going to be, wow, and it sort of already is disappointing them. I, I swear I am not being, um, I'm not kidding. <laughs> there there are uh, producers and reporters who are not happy that this looks like it isn't going to be as horrific as uh, it might have been. Uh, we do think our phones are in uh, full operating order today, by the way, so if you want to give us a call, we do think, unlike yesterday, you'll be able to hear me and uh, we'll be able to actually engage in a conversation. Uh, I was, I don't know, I, I, as I said yesterday, I wish this thing would just happen. I, I hate when news gets in a 24-7 coverage of uh, the approaching hurricane, which can go on for a week, and then the hurricane, which can go on for, what, 48 hours. And then the aftermath of the hurricane. So for the next, if I, I just don't understand why news like CNN and the others can't do more of what a newspaper used to do, which is not, I mean, not have the entire thing be about one story. I mean, these days, it's you know, Trump 24-7, unless you get something like Florence, 24-7, and then maybe you, you let the two, you know, live together. But as I said yesterday, there's so many stories that we should, as citizens, be aware of that we are not being informed about because of this singular kind of focus that cable news has, and to a lesser extent, broadcast news. I do want to say this, though, that um, I have a, all my memories are vague, I have a vague memory of um, years ago when I didn't remember which state it was, but it was a southern coastal state run by Republicans. And they passed a bill, uh, which was happily signed by the Republican governor, that sort of, 
as I remember it, it made uh, talking about uh, the oceans rising and the impact uh, on the coastline uh, rising almost a almost a crime. I'm not kidding. It was I, I I remember we laughed a lot about it. Now now since since then, uh, not much has changed. Uh, the law, it turns out. Um, I am reminded by a piece I read today. Uh, that is from uh, 2012, and the state happened to be North Carolina, which is uh, now uh, hunkering down for the impact of uh, of Florence, how however severe that will be, and. There was a law passed in North Carolina in 2012 that initially was so outrageous that, I mean, it really was like, you know, you'll be imprisoned uh, if you mention the word uh, global warming or something. I mean, if you're, a, if you're in any governmental position, I, I, has, I, I'm exaggerating only slightly. Uh, they managed even the re- in the Republican legislature because of uh, ridicule coming at them from uh, so many quarters to uh, you know ameliorate some of the more outrageous uh, provisions in in this bill. But as it uh, did pass and frankly is still in effect in North Carolina, it did effectively the law order state agencies, and any local government and agencies in North Carolina that um, that have coastline, which is a whole bunch of them, that they are not to have policies <laughs> in place uh, that are based on an acceleration of the rise of sea levels in the coming years. In other words, any policies having to do with coastlines, generally speaking, that would be development uh, stuff, uh, it was against the law to have those (laughs) policies uh, based on scientific models that showed the rise of um, ocean levels as accelerating. In other words, they were not to take into effect the latest, uh, into uh, consideration, the latest science on uh, the impact of uh, the warming of, of the oceans on their coastal development policies. And, of course, the reason for an absurd law like that, an absolutely insane, self-destructive law like that, is that the developers won, and so there was nothing standing in their way to continue to build up the coastline of North Carolina. There was nothing saying, you can't build there. That's going to be underwater in 20 years. We're not letting you build there, okay? So the North Carolina coast that exists now and is hunkered down is much more populated, has many, many more structures than it did just six years ago when that uh, idiot law was passed. Uh, the coastal population of North Carolina have almost, I, I think it's all, doubled in the last 20 years with that acceleration not having any slowdown. So since it's become known to any sentient being, that would take most Republicans out of the mix, any sentient being, that our coasts are going to be eroding, that the ocean is, not might, is going to be coming in and taking over land. Uh, These idiots up and down the coast 
have just been whistling past the graveyard and building building apartments, big McMansions, who knows what. When if we had sane, responsible governance in this country, none of that, nothing would have been built there on the coast. Nothing anymore. Can you imagine? So here this destructive storm is approaching. And it's approaching a coastline that is more dense with buildings, more dense with human population than it was six years ago, even though anyone who isn't dense knows that that's insane. I uh, And the thing is, North Carolina is not alone in this kind of idiocy. Uh, so many of those southern coastal states are run by Republican uh, governors, Republican legislatures. I give you uh, Rick Scott, Governor Rick Scott of Florida's uh, um, of Florida, and Florida has a a similar kind of law under under Rick Scott. Florida discouraged, didn't criminalize, <laughs> discouraged the use of terms like climate change and global warming in any official communications put out by governmental agencies. Now actually this is the same kind of thing that the Environmental Protection Agency under Scott Pruitt was doing as well. I wouldn't, uh, I assume that under his uh, successor the same kind of uh, crap is, is going on. Uh, it be, I mean after all we have a president who has called climate change a hoax uh, and I noted yesterday that as this storm approaches, brought on by the warming of the oceans, the Atlant Atlantic turning into a kind of warm bathtub, uh, that Trump, uh, Trump's administration is attempting to roll back regulations that uh, prevented uh, the release of a lot of methane into the air by power plants they're going to roll that back and let the power plants spew as much methane as they as they want by the way um it it turns out that North Carolina before the Republicans took over was actually in the forefront of uh coastal uh coastal climate science studies and um, were considered the state to watch about how they were reasonably dealing with uh, this future challenge. <laughs> and then the Republicans came in. And, uh, and the official policy was to ignore scientific data and to build up the coastal areas, which are now potentially going to suffer a lot of destruction. Okay, we have a caller. Let's see if uh, if this works. Hello, caller. Hello, caller. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> it sounds like a shortwave radio. Caller, please. So it's actually worse than it was yesterday. Hang on. Hello. Where are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Well, that's a step up, but we can barely hear you. Um, oh, what's up? I mean, it's we can barely hear you. I don't know if... Uh, go ahead, anyway. Uh, I was, was going to say that I'm so over the wildfires and the hurricanes. Not that I'm so serious for the people got injured or killed or something, but... Let's. If you, let me. Why don't I go build my house next to a volcano? Duh. So that's all I gotta say. Or well, let me invade a country that's not bothered us, and then people get killed. Duh. 
stupid shit like that, it just aggravates you. Okay, well, you're... It amazes me. Yeah. Huh? Can you hear me now? Yes, I can, and I, I, yeah, I can hear you, but it's not great. Um, I totally agree with you, not surprisingly. Yeah. Um, and I don't but, think that the taxpayers should continue to, uh, you know, tolerate the the bleeding of money that allows people to live, yeah, in areas that are prone to these disaster. I, fine, if you want to, do it at your own risk, but don't expect. Uh, the government through flood insurance to bail you out anymore? Don't I mean we just keep letting people rebuild in places that are only going to get flooded again the next year? And, and another thing, this Kavanaugh, could you imagine if he gets in there Ugh. and he tries and they roll back the abortion thing? Could you imagine the chaos in this country trying to enforce that abortion? I mean, it would go back the way it was, but it would be so, which Trump could have ICE go after the women, you know, or watch them after they had sex. I mean, what the fuck's wrong with these people? Uh -huh. I don't even get any of this shit. Your body's right to do with your body what you want is your own business. Can you imagine, I mean, if there were, well, let me just say that if men, if men were subject to governmental control of their bodies, imagine that, because you guys aren't. Yeah. Imagine that. See, I believe in Dr. Kevorkian. A lot of people get mad at me. But I've always, I think the right to die is should be your right. If you want to take your life, you take it. That's how I feel about it. I've always felt that way. If you're sick and you don't want to be treated and you want to just die, you should be able to go to a person who will give you something and you're done. I mean, it's your right. It's not the government to tell you what to do with your body. Well, of course not. And government, I mean, the idea that suicide is somehow criminal doesn't come from secular government. It comes from religion. Yeah, religion. That's what it's. That's what it's based on. And I thought religion wasn't supposed to, uh, you know, come. But the abortion thing like is is religiously based. Anything. Yeah, it, it it's it is uh, people's religious beliefs uh, infecting our our supposedly secular government. And make no mistake about it, uh, abortion is um, in great great danger great danger if Kavanaugh gets on kiss it goodbye welcome to the 30s 40s and 50s again back we go girls okay I thank you I appreciate your call thank okay, you thank you uh-huh bye-bye bye. yeah that's just not right terrible bug um unhappy bitch anyway uh yeah I mean I really feel that way why should people we keep letting people, and it's, it is a lot on both coasts. It's not just, uh, you know, in that regard, Republican policies. I mean, in, in California, where you have all these rich uh, liberals <laughs> living on hilltops over the ocean that are going to, you know, just disappear into it um, through erosion of, of, of the base and, and also prone to mudslides. And I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. I really don't. <sighs> Rather annoying. Uh, some stories just don't go away. They just keep... And the, the stories of... I, I'm sorry, guys, but men's um, bad behavior. I just want to pick up again on this Les Moonves thing at CBS. And um, also the knowledge that uh, yesterday they uh, CBS uh, fired another big, big executive there, the uh, producer of 60 Minutes. Uh, now that forever, since the show's inception in 1822, had uh, been a guy named Don Hewitt, but he finally stepped down. And the man who took him his place, uh, Jeff Fager, had uh, had been with the show also for a very very long time, well liked blah 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 blah. Now he's gone, and uh, he did not do anything anywhere near as egregious as what Les Moonves did, but the CBS uh, board now is so skittish and and the, the, by because they totally mishandled the accusations against uh, Moonvis 
that then the next time an accusation comes in, they perhaps jump the gun. I don't know. Fager sent his his crime was uh, sending essentially a threatening uh, threatening a job to a reporter who was working on uh, these kinds of stories, allegations of sexual harassment uh, at CBS, and um, a woman, and uh, he was essentially saying to her, "Hey, baby, back off because I can destroy you." Now, I suppose that should be something that a manager is not allowed to do. But up against <laughs> everything becomes relative in this day and age. Up against, so there are people at 60 Minutes who are very unhappy with his firing, apparently. Um, Fager, uh, part of his text, said this Be careful, he said to this woman. There are people who lost their jobs trying to harm me. And if you pass on these damaging claims without your own reporting to back them up, that will become a serious problem. Um, uh, yeah, that's a that's a threat. What's with these people? These are the and 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 let's think about for a minute. Now that we know that you have so many men in entertainment and journalism who clearly abuse their power, especially, as we're learning, as it applies to any women who are in their purview. And so do you think that that has any or would have in the past and the present have any impact at all on what stories they choose to cover, what stories they think are important, the way that they treat women, do, does that infect their news judgment? You betcha it does. And as I said to the caller, we're totally used to the idea of men in legislative bodies, in uh, corporate situations, in journalism, in entertainment, essentially feeling they own women's bodies and acting that way. And I... I don't know how long it would take to get rid of that strain of bad human behavior. I would argue that probably it's impossible. Uh, we can uh, try, as we do, legislating things, but this is uh, inbred it's endemic, it's epidemic, it is socially uh, in the water we drink, in the air we breathe, So, and it's in, uh, it, it gets a succor in our religious uh, training as well. God, of course, is the father. Women are relegated to a, a subservient uh, position. So a guy like Fager at 60 Minutes, he's the guy who brought in Charlie Rose. And he was lauded as just brilliant bringing in Charlie Rose to co-host the CBS Morning News. And we all know what happened to Charlie Rose. How odd that you have Les Moonves, Fager, Charlie Rose. These are the guys at the top of the Sterling Network, CBS, Black Rock. And every one of them, Fager being the least egregious, doesn't have 
a clue how to behave when it comes to women. It sure doesn't get in their way in terms of their meteoric rises. God knows the da- how many women are damaged in their wake and how many men we're really talking about here. The New York Times today has um, a really, uh, man, they got some sources inside the boardroom at CBS. And it has a a big article now describing the CBS Board of Directors' reaction to the initial charges against Les Moonves. That happened in uh, late July. And uh, an emergency board meeting was called. It was uh, on conference call because these guys are all over. And guys is the operative word since most boards of directors are overwhelmingly white males. And the New York Times article quotes various board members responding to what they now know are charges that are going to be coming out against this guy who they employ and who has uh, been very successful in his job and made their shareholders very happy, lots of money. And then they're told they're a bunch of women. They're coming up, and they're saying he did this and he did that. One of the members of the board of directors is a guy named Arnold Copelson. He he actually was the producer of uh, Platoon, the movie that won an Oscar. And he said this, according to a number of sources who were on that phone call. I don't care if 30 more women come forward and allege this kind of stuff. Less is our leader and it wouldn't change my opinion of him. So, this is what happens when a number of women speak out against a powerful man and the other powerful men who oversee the accused man's uh, employment flat out feel perfectly comfortable saying, I don't care if 30 more women come forward. I have to tell you, as a woman, as an old woman now, I, yeah, I'd like to think that as I grew old, I'd become less angry. Supposedly, and I was sort of feeling like that, you know, you get, you pick your battles, you understand. And all this stuff, all this loss of innocence news that is overwhelming us has, it's very hard not to be angry, not in some ways if you're a woman of a certain age whose career was impacted by this kind of shit to become bitter to feel that the impact that certain men have had on your career is an outrage, even if at the time it was just, well, that's just the way it is. Another member of the CBS board, uh, you may remember, he was the defense secretary under Clinton's uh, presidency, And um, it was unusual because he was a former Republican congressman, but uh, Clinton chose him as his defense secretary. His name was William Cohen. 
I always thought he seemed like a really reasonable kind of a guy. Here's the quote from him as a member of the CBS Board of Directors when these women first came forward. We are going to stay in this meeting until midnight if we need to. Until we get an agreement that we stand 100% behind our CEO. And there will be no change in his status. So what turned the board around? You know what turned the board around? Not the allegations of any woman. Not even the facts of these allegations. Right. Even if they were to be proven. What Les Moonves did to any woman is not what turned the CBS board around. It's that they found out that Moonves was essentially trying to pay off first one of the women after he had absolutely denied to them any of these allegations. And then they found out that without reporting back to them, he had been busily trying to find one of the women who was going to go public, trying to get her into a nice job at the network uh, in if she would shut up. That's what took him down. Says here in the New York Times, when the board learned about this, even Moonves's staunchest backers were stunned. The evidence that he had misled them off with his head. So to all these powerful men on the board of CBS, the crime that Les Moonves got canned for was not assaulting a woman. And there could be 30 women could come forward. Doesn't change my... No. But you lied to me? That was the boost. He had abused their trust in him. And that was the end of him. And I had mentioned yesterday that... Um, He's still going to walk away with supposedly $120 million or something. Apparently he's not. See, the CBS board all of a sudden is scared. They're running scared and they are angry now. So even though when they were stunned that he had betrayed them, they initially said, I can't believe this. This is horrible. But we'll still give him about $90 million. They decided they'd still give him half of what he would normally get. His severance would be $180 million, I guess, contractually. They thought they'd give him $90 million anyway. But then they found out that there were actually more women. And he, in fact, had lied to them yet again. And that's when they said, we're not even giving them the $90 million. Here's, here's from the New York Times. Given Mr. Moonves' lack of candor 
board members concluded that he could be terminated for cause, which means he ain't getting the money. And then, and of course, a public relations flourish. They decided to take $20 million of that money and instead give it to the hashtag MeToo movement, which I don't understand because that's not, I don't understand who you give it to with that. So, Moonves is getting nothing. Not because he assaulted women, but because he lied to the boys. I'm so sick of it all. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, Milton, I know. The, the our um our. Our liar in chief is is now saying he doesn't think three thousand people died in Puerto Rico. He said he's saying they died of old age. <laughs> and do you see what Eric said the other day? I mean, I, this stuff doesn't even really make the bigger news. You you learn of it if you're trolling around on Twitter, uh, on Fox News. Um, Eric Trump uh, was being uh, interviewed, and he said about Woodward's book something to the effect of, oh, yeah, you know, that he was just doing it for the money and all these lies. There's all a bunch of unsubstantiated lies, but he'll make a few. He said something more shekels is what he said, Eric Trump said, but he'll get more shekels. Now, I got to tell you, that is just a bizarro anti-Semitic dog whistle thrown into this accusation that, ah, he's just in it for the money. Why would you say shekel? Shekel is the uh, currency of, of, of Israel. Shekels are in the... Bible that has to do with Jewish money. So you hear shekels used a lot on neo-Nazi sites, on alt-right sites, on anti-Semitic sites. And so here is the president's son saying shekels. Now it's odd about it too is of course Woodward is as is a wasp's wasp. He is not a Jew. He's not Jewish. So people would say, well, it doesn't make sense because he's not Jewish, so why did he say shekels? Well, he said shekels because it's a dog whistle. It's a dog whistle that somehow then makes it appear that, of course, the Jews, as you know, Jews, media, power, greed, blah, blah, blah. So guys, I have to tell you, we are, uh, we are getting to a point where the, you know, Republicans are engaging in such racist and anti-Semitic dog whistling with such consistency in ways that, you know, you, you, you the listener has to, you know, your, your reaction is one of just total initial, what? Where did that come from? Like DeSantis, the guy running uh, for uh, governor of Florida, saying um, you, you can't elect his opponent because he'll monkey things up. His opponent being black. Monkey things up is not even a phrase. You monkey around. But see, it doesn't matter. He's black. You have to get monkey in there. It's a racist dog whistle. Trump, uh, Eric here, um, didn't even need Woodward to be a Jew. To bring the Jews in. 
And as angry as I am about, you know, women and what's happened to them in our past and in our present and obviously continuing, I am as fearful as my anger at that is about what I see happening in discourse in this country that this stuff is now just out there, mainstream, from the White House, from the president, from the president's sons, from Republicans in office, seeking higher office, racist, anti-Semitic dog whistling. And as is well known, when they come for these usual marginalized groups, the blacks, the Jews, it never stops there. This is incipient white nationalism that is becoming impossible not to hear, see, smell, almost on a daily basis and always coming from the same sources and those are sources that enable the Republican agenda. And I now can't tell them apart. Um, I have not, I, I, let me take a moment to uh, note the passing of, uh, of a long-time competitor of mine uh, in local talk radio, and uh, um, Mike Pintek, who held down the afternoon shift at uh, KDKA for decades, um, and he and I, I frankly cannot ever remember meeting him personally. So I mean this I think people assume that all of us talk show types know each other. I did not know Mike Pintech. I certainly uh, might have mentioned him on occasion on my show. Uh he might have mentioned me and I'm sure those were not nice mentions. Uh we were politically at opposite uh ends but uh I want to note his passing, and I, the one thing about his uh, history that always just blew me away was that he was the first reporter to report on the uh, leak at Three Mile Island. Um, he was just a local yokel, I think, radio reporter, I think. I think he was, he could have been TV, he did a little of both, sort of like me, um, and he was in that area where Three Mile Island was, and he saw there was no steam coming out of the reactor, made a phone call. <laughs> and uh, obviously that became a huge, huge story. And uh, he essentially uh, broke it. So that is always the thing. I remember when I first heard him telling that story, I was just blown away. Because I hadn't even known he'd been a reporter. I just thought he was just a loudmouth, but no, he was more than that. And I'm, I, I just want to note his passing. And uh, man, I think too young. When they're dropping dead and they're younger than me, I can't take it. <laughs> I take it personally. No, I, I'm sorry, that was awful. Um, we have a call, apparently. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello? Hello. Hello. Hi. Good morning, Good morning Lynn. Morning. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm rather chagrined by the reactions of many of my cohorts, cohort being white males uh, in this society. And, uh, for example, and of course this didn't originate um, from Americans, but they just horribly racist cartoon, uh, you know, that depicted Serena Williams as yes. a, just a incredibly offensive, you know, racial caricature, which was from an Australian um, cartoonist. But 
not only had you know his, have his papers edited and publishers defended it, but you know I occasionally check in on some right wing sites and blogs just to uh, to to, uh, to uh, as Chris Potter once said get get insight into uh, people who have no good insight as as he said he did when he you know would listen to some um, conservative talk show hosts. Um, and I mean, there are people who just, well, some are just blatantly racist. I mean, I don't think there's any, any, any denying that there are just some absolute, you know, bigots who work for and are involved in the ostensibly, you know, respectable mainstream of conservative thought. But there are others who simply uh, would defend it and say, well, I, I don't see any racism in this. Well, it's it's just a typical exaggeration of a of a of a cartoonist of an editorial cartoonist. I, it's just mind blowing, and that they're engaging in make believe. I really do. Well, but I we know. Look, reality is uh, is is put aside, and they create their own. So why? I, I, it is really. Uh, it's just. Frightening. I remember there was a New York Times magazine piece during the George W. Bush administration in which I believe Carl Rove was quoted as sort of like s laughing at some reporter's question and saying, you know, you guys don't get it. We create our own reality. That was Carl Rove in George W.'s administration. We create our own reality. Yeah, I do remember that quote, uh, and um, and how how does that work out for the country? By the way, I don't think it worked out for uh, for our nation all that well. I don't think it worked out for Iraq all that well. Well, their reality was, was that, that yeah, well. yeah. Look, look at that, amazing. Um, I, I mean, for I mean, the people who who are stating that Donald Trump is is doing a good job is fit to be president, you know, is honest. I, I, I'm sure some people are just genuinely, you know, true believers. Because sometimes uh, if you wrap your identity up in something, you, you just mentally commit to it, and you're going to see it through to the bitter end. Um, I mean, if, you, if you've identified yourself as being a, quote, deplorable, unquote, how do you back out of that? But a lot, a lot of the others are just, it's just make-believe in, in defense of, as you said, uh, as, as the board members of CBS said, they don't care. They're just going to believe it's not a real thing because it's their man. It's their leader. You know, it's like a kid. It's like a little kid who, you know, closes yeah. his eyes and puts his hands over his ears and says, I can't hear you. I can't, you know, yeah, it's, it's no different than that. And what's so stunning about it is that these are adults, these are sentient beings, and they're in positions of extraordinary power, and the rest of it's us like, are doomed as a result. You know, the, the whole thing with DeSantis, who, by the way, he's like 10 years younger than I am, okay? I've never used, I've never, I never heard the phrase monkey up before. Ever. I don't think anybody ever People did. People of my generation almost never even say, you know, monkeying around or yeah. What would be another one? I guess like monkey wrench something was kind of in use in the nineties. Um, but again, I was, uh, you know, uh, my recreation is I'll, you know, sometimes go to a bookstore and just because I, I'm an avid reader and I'll I'll get overpriced coffee and I'll sit there and read for a little while. And, uh, you know, there were, again, there were like a, a group of older people, um, white people, of course, uh, a table across from me, and this was shortly after it happened, and they were talking about how, well, that's just a common phrase, you know, these, you know, the, the, the liberal media, they try to make a racial issue, like, a common phrase? It's not a common phrase. It's not, no one's ever heard of it. You can't find it no in any... Phrase. No, it's not. No, no, no. 
it, it, it's you had to put monkey into something to say black, black, black. That that's all. Hey, you know what? I got I got to run. I'm getting a buzz. I'm I'm hearing. I, I'm I'm I'm. Your call to me is driving me crazy, but uh, I mean, not the Maybe content. Give you a headache. I'm sorry. No, no, not the content. <laughs> I got a big buzz in my ear. So thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh, please. Well, there. The buzz is gone now. I have a email from somebody saying that she, to her, I don't think she's hearing the buzz. I'm hearing the buzz. It's driving me nuts. Okay, that's, at least I'm glad you guys aren't. Okay, that's good to know. But you cannot imagine. I mean, I was hearing him through a, a, a sound of, a, you know, a wall of... So, okay. Maybe by uh, next year we'll have this figured out. Uh, what did I want to... Mark writes... Like you, I'm a baby boomer. My high school football coach would have the team come over to his house on Saturdays and watch the film of the game from the previous Friday night. One day after we'd gone over the film and had been berated for all we had done wrong, he said, Boys, just remember this. A hard cock has no conscience. What the hell does that have to do with what? <laughs> huh? I mean... I can't disagree with what the coach said, but um, why would he say that? Oh, geez. Mark writes, we all just nodded our heads <laughs> and continued our lives just as we had before. It's not fair, but you girls are stuck with being the adults. It's been this way for a while. Uh, yeah, it's been this way forever. But I got to tell you, the girls are getting to a point where a pretty big percentage of them now can't take it anymore. Won't take it anymore. I mean, really. It's just like I think a lot of black people are saying, you know, welcome to our life. We're all seeing now you can't, you're a black person sitting in your own apartment, a cop comes in and shoots you dead. Uh, you're standing there doing nothing, you get shot dead. We're all starting to now understand the reality of what it is to be black in America, especially a black man. But actually, black women not only get the woman crap, but they get the black crap, too. So me now feeling such rage at, again, at the just in the bone misogyny that impacts the life of women in this world. Um, I, guys, there's no way you'll ever understand it, really. I, the, the better men will be able, because they're sensitive or empathetic, will be able to maybe, but you can't understand what, it is to live in a world in which you have to take this shit just because of your gender or your skin color. If you're a white male, you don't know that. And it's a constant. And yet women are told we have to be the adults. Suck it up. Right? Black people are told, you know, like, well, we had a black president and he was told never appear to be angry. <coughs> angry black men scare white people. 
And so it didn't even matter that not only wasn't he an angry black man, he was this dignified man, this erudite man, this good man, good father, good husband. You could all see all that. And the reaction of the white population was to take refuge in Donald Trump. So freaked out were they by having a black man in a position over them. Speaking of men, so the Pope is now calling an extraordinary, never before in the recent past ever, first time according to this account that the uh, all the presidents of all the bishops' conferences all over the globe have been summoned for a meeting on one subject. And that subject, of course, is how these men treat those who are subservient to them. How they treat those over whom they have great power. I ain't holding my breath for anything to come out of this. So after decades of essential denial from the Vatican. This now is, I guess we finally got the Vatican's attention, that this is a global, church-wide problem. But it's global. It ain't just this church, guys. <laughs> and the New York Times piece on it, I, I, and I'm grateful, this is good reporting, reminded us that when the clergy abuse scandal first broke. It broke here in the United States. And that was in the mid-1980s. And the Vatican at that time essentially dealt with it by saying that it was obviously something wrong in um, the American. In America. Because it was just there. And oops, then when it sort of popped up in Canada, in Ireland, in England, Australia, the church then framed it as uh, obviously a kind of problem in the English-speaking countries. I mean, the Vatican's reluctance to acknowledge the reality, the scope of this problem was just amazing and it has and we're back to a kid with his eyes shut and his hands over his ears ah, I can't hear you. I don't see it I can't hear you right same thing and then the scandal erupted in Germany in Belgium in France in Austria and this is around 2010 and the and it's Pope Benedict and you know what he said Benedict at the time termed it a problem with the developed world born of the sexual libertinism in Europe and the developed world. But now, finally, They're saying, uh, I need all the bishops from all over the world here. we got to deal with this. And my guess is mumbo-jumbo, mumbo-jumbo, mumbo-jumbo. Nothing will change. That's my guess. Because that's what happens when powerful men uh, realize that, uh-oh, uh, we got to uh, appear that we're doing something about this. We got to try to do so. We'll appoint a committee. I mean, that's sort of where this is now, right? 
And uh, wow, extraordinary urgency being felt because this meeting isn't until February. Power corrupts. White people have had power. And men have had power. And they've been corrupted for centuries, millennia. And the people who have borne the brunt of their power, be they racial minorities, religious minorities, or women, are, I think, reaching a point where enough. I'll tell you, this woman has. All right, guys, that's it. Sorry the world's such a fucking mess. And sorry, well, I'm glad that apparently you guys can hear. I'll, we'll, we'll deal, with it doesn't matter any, blah, blah, blah. Okay, um, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.